Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We were a little buzzed after one of our last episodes. I was like, should we hit up Jackie again? Uh, Jaffe? Sorry, Jack. <laughs> Jackie. <laughs> nice there one. you go. Yeah, you know. uh, you're one beer in, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. Half a beer in. What the hell? Talk about one and a half. One and a half. Well, uh, one and a half well, in a little work. Let's get calling. The Bruins and Bruins podcast is sponsored by DraftKings. The Olympic Games are underway and DraftKings is bringing you to the podium. DraftKings free-to-play pools are available every day of the games in Tokyo and offering a free shot at up to $50,000 in total cash prizes. That's up to $50,000 up for grabs and the best part is that it is all free-to-play. DraftKings free-to-play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app and go to Pools and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's events, then track your results throughout the day and the evening to see if you will achieve victory. Now, questions might range from medal count leaders to specific questions about Team USA. Personally, I'm looking for the water polo ones. That's my favorite for the Summer Olympics. It's pretty much just elite athletes trying to drown each other. Entertaining stuff. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up for a free shot at up to $50,000 in total prizes every day of the games in Tokyo. Once again, head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. As always, eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. All right, everybody, welcome into Season 2, Episode 70 of the Bruise and Bruins Podcast. My name is Cam Hasbrook, joined, as per usual, by Chris Gear and Drew Johnson. we got a cool episode on tap for today. We've got Nesson's own Billy Jaffe, a studio analyst. You've seen him on TV anytime you're watching the Bees, as long as you're in the New England area. A uh, lot to talk about, about a busy Bruins offseason and about Billy's career as well. But this is the Bruise and Bruins Podcast, we'll start it off. With a quick round of beers, go around with uh, what everybody's drinking. Chris, what you got today? I have a Merkley Double IPA from Pure Projects out here in San Diego. Um, terrible pour, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> it's like all <awful. laughs> uh, drinkability. That's going to be a uh, like a ten. It's a lot going on. 
uh, wouldn't want to drink a lot of these, but tasteability, you can taste it. We're up at like a 34. Fantastic. Drew, what you got? Uh, I got a boom sauce from Lord Hobo Brewing Company. I feel like I've featured this on the podcast before. I think so, yeah. Probably a couple times. My dad's a huge fan, so it's always in the fridge. Uh, drinkability, pretty damn low. I'm going to go with an eight. Um, really heavy, really dark. Uh, but that said, usually it kind of corresponds with the tasteability being really high. So I'll go with the 35. One lower than Chris and then one higher than Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Billy, I've got, uh, I saw somebody tweeted a uh, picture of you the other day of their morning brew cup. And you pointed out that you are a fan of their PBR glass. So I had some PBR in the fridge. I figured that'd be a fitting one today. Uh, Very. Yeah. I've re- reviewed this more times than I think I can count on this podcast. So I'll just skip <laughs> by it at this point. Billy, you said you're drinking water, but what's your uh, what's your go-to beer if you're trying to relax on a day off? Well, I got a lot. I don't have one. Um, That's good. We like uh, that. You, you guys sound much more sophisticated than me, especially the whole double oh, no. IPA stuff. <laughs> I don't get the whole IPA craze thing. I don't. I think, I you know, it's like I, I just, and I get it, but I don't get it. Meaning it's taste, right? Like the IPAs, some of them are all right. You start getting those doubles and everything, and next thing you know, it's like, bitter beer face for me but uh if you've ever have you ever had pbr extra have you ever had that in the black can i think i have actually yeah i have not no Uh, it's it it uh it is and the eight the uh alcohol by volume is like six and a half or seven so it's pretty strong very smooth um listen you can never you can never go wrong with a good old pbr but i i like a ton of different beers amber's Ales, lagers. I like pilsners, especially Czech pilsners. Um, oh, yeah. I've got a, I've got, I've got Negro Modelo, and I've got Abita, and I've got Fat Tire in my fridge, and I've got uh, PBR, and uh, even a few Bud Lights, which really are more for guests with poor taste than anything. <laughs> hey, we're, yeah, we're, a, we're a Miller Lite podcast here so <laughs> I like Miller Lite I, I, I grew up in Chicago so Miller Lite was huge yeah you know? Miller Lite and PBR I think the uh, the go-to light beers of the Bruce yep. and Bruins podcast but we don't discriminate either we're open to any and all <laughs> any and all beers but uh, well it's, it's interesting you mentioned the, the Czech Pilsner we have a lot to talk about here about the Bruins offseason but that seems like a fitting place to start Considering with his time over there, David Krejci might be popping a few more Czech Pilsners. Uh, we want to talk to you about uh, your thoughts on covering Krejci over the last decade. And so uh, kind of the inside, we, we, we spoke with Matt Porter of the Boston Globe yesterday, and he kind of gave us some inside looks at uh, some personality traits that maybe the average fan might not see on the ice. Uh, but kind of behind the scenes, what was it like covering Krejci for that time? And uh, what can you say about maybe what he's going to bring over to the Czech? Well, I mean, working you know with david talking to him um, a lot he's very uh very bright he can be very soft-spoken at times but it doesn't mean that he didn't say impactful things he was uh very very direct um i found him incredibly engaging at times a man of few words and at other times it was uh you know especially when the media pile moved to another area or if I just went up to him and sat down and talked to him a little about this or that, very engaging. Um, really, really I, a cerebral person, which I think translates to his cerebral play uh, on the ice. I remember one time I spoke to David, and it was years ago now, 
And just about, because I was taking the team over to the Czech Republic of, of younger kids, I was coaching them and uh, just talked to them about it a bit and, and, and is very gracious with his time. Yeah, that's all great. Do this, do that. And he said, you know, I never played in any of these big international things. Now, this wasn't a an international, i.e. Olympic style event. This was a pay to go type trip. But the point is he brought up the fact that he wasn't a star. He says, look, I, I was just a, a regular player for a long time. I just did my thing. I, I you know, I had, uh, I just played for my town and this and that. And then eventually he blossomed into, but, but I'll, I'll step back because he wasn't the fastest because he wasn't the biggest because he wasn't the toughest, didn't have the hardest shot, all of the above, right? He didn't get noticed for any one thing, but w- what his greatest characteristic is or was as a Bruin was his ability to see the play before it happened. And then he would, you know, with the right type of wingers, he was, I said all the time, he was sublime. I think, you know, frustrating at times for everybody, sure. But uh, I also think at times didn't, wasn't given enough hockey love, so to speak. Uh, fantastic player, wonderful guy. Wish him well, no question. And uh, I forget even the second part of the question. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's all right. That's that's the type of answer we're looking for so that I forget the second part of the question. So, <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, I, it's interesting because as a, as a fan who has that kind of more outside perspective, that's kind of the, the personality you'd almost expect from his game is that he is that kind of almost reserved. Like he, he plays in a not a flashy game, and so you kind of expect him to be like that off the ice. But it's interesting to kind of get that inside look at his personality and, and know that there was a little bit more there. But oh, definitely sharp, man. He was is sharp and could be sharp, poignant, you know, with his comments too. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't, you know, he, he, he knew enough that he would he would be reserved in certain areas and then sometimes he wouldn't pull punches. And I respect it, you know. Yeah, especially as a a media member. I know that's (laughs) and hockey is a sport that's known for kind of generic and uh, Mm -hmm. very coached answers. So to get an honest player like that, that's going to tell it as it is, I'm sure is refreshing. Great. No, it's awesome. Well, we talked a lot about Krejci yesterday, so we'll move on a little bit from that. But um, that's obviously kind of the most recent big news that Bruins fans are kind of, I'll say, recovering from (laughs) because it was a a cup punch for many of us. But uh overall how have you felt about what the Bruins have done this offseason do you think they're stronger or weaker do you think there's more to come what's kind of the general vibe you're getting from them right now Uh, I do think there's more to come I don't know how big of a move that is but I do think there is a move or two to come I I would call it medium significant you know significant maybe even a little more you know we got a lot of salary cap gymnastics to do for all around the national hockey league. So we never, you never know where that's going to come from. Right. Uh, or what team um, I, I'm not sure if the Bruins, what, what they've done. I'm, I'm not sure. I think in some ways they're better. I think in some ways, I'm not sure if they are, if, you know, they might be, you know, we, I, you know, physically uh, I'm not sure if they're, I don't think they're as physical as they were last year. And at times they probably wanted to be, or wish they were a little bit more physical, you know, losing um, a Lausanne, losing a Richie, losing Kevin Miller. Granted, they didn't, you know, they didn't have him for all the year anyway, but I mean, those are for a team that wasn't the most physically stout to begin with. Um, that's, those are big losses. And um, they're, 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 I think they're faster. I, I think 
I think Howla and Noshek bring a lot more speed. No, no question about it. Um, you know, I got no issue with Forbert as your third pair type guy. You know, he could ride up to a second pair, depending on the opponent, et cetera, the matchup, mm -hmm. situationally speaking. Uh, Felino to me was interesting at 34. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, is he, what was he the guy that they brought in? Did they know that Krejci had already made it? Or is leaning maybe that way? I, I don't know. Uh, and, 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 you know, you, and you bring him in, he's a leader, he is physical, but you know, when it's all said and done, this is the analogy I made guys to what they did. Um, you've heard of the term concoction, right? Certainly. And of course, I, it was a rhetorically dumb question. You can, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no worries. But, uh, but, uh, you know, this is a concoction that they made and, and the way I explained it on our, on, you know, morning brew with, with razor and myself is, you know, a little kid goes to the refrigerator and freezer and puts together, makes, you know, takes a bowl out and it includes ice cream and, and whipped cream, but then all these other crazy things. And you're like, where, you know, where did you find all these things? And yet they take it, they put it together, then they put it in the freezer to freeze it again. And then they take it out and they start eating it. And then you sneak in as the parent to taste it. It's either going to be amazing, right? Or it might be just okay. Or it might be, oh, my God, I can't eat another bite of it. <laughs> and that's kind of where I feel like we're at. And, and and I don't mean that negatively at all. I mean, I think it's just an unknown. I mean, is Eric Howla going to – could he could he rise up to 40 to 50 points again and help – help out in the center role? You know, is Foligno going to be there? Would Nosek be – a very valuable fourth line player. I, I look at the, the matchup or the uh, line combo potential for the third and fourth line, and there's a lot of moving parts there, you know? So so right now it's a concoction that I just don't know how it's going to taste, uh, and that's why you got to play it out a bit. But, again, I go back to this. So I, I still think there's another move there. I do. I don't know exactly what, but it's, it, there's, there's got to be another move made, I think. So one of the things we were talking about on the last episode was with this kind of concoction, as you were saying, um, one of the issues is chemistry and how do you find that chemistry? How long do you give players to to kind of find that chemistry? Um, and with so many different options, that can be a concern. How, In your experience, like how long do players actually need to determine whether something's working or not? Well, I think the working one, if it's working, you know, pretty quick. Um, if you look at certain pairs um, around the league, or in particular with the Bruins, I mean, I think you figured out that, you know, I hate to go back into, you know, hindsight being 2020, you know, great memories of, of Krejci and Horton and Lucic. I think when you put those guys together, you knew it was going to work, right? Mm -hmm. um, you just, I mean, if you remember back, they were just, they were kind of made for each other. Even when a Ginla came in a bit here and there, you know, it helped out. But you, you, yeah. you just, you know, when it's going to work, I guess quicker than, than if it's not, sometimes you just got to work at it. I mean, I, I, I guess I'm trying to think of other pairs, it would be, you know, sometimes you get two guys that just want to carry the puck so much that's not going to work. Right. But you got to try. I mean, these are your, what are we talking about? Four birds of defensemen. But you're talking three guys up front. Am I forgetting somebody? Maybe a fourth. But, you know, you're, you're talking that. But if these guys know their roles, you know, 
a guy like Nosek should know his role. And therefore, he should fit in with whomever he's got to really play with. Now, chemistry doesn't mean just nonverbal, but verbal as well. You figure that stuff out, right? Um, but you play your role as you work it out. Maybe it's some of the other stuff. I don't know. But I, you got a couple of weeks of training camp. And I'd give I'm – a, I'm a fan of the pairs scenario. So I'd give pairs – couple of weeks here and there now bruce cassidy using the bruins coach is a big example he he uh he'll move lines around toggle is the word that he likes to use he'll move them around pretty quickly um so i'm curious it's a, it's a it's a valid question for this year with a lot of different potential possibility and even don sweeney saying center by committee right um you know i i wonder if bruce will you know allow guys a little bit more time to see if they can develop that that chemistry uh, you mentioned kind of a, a stepping away from not that there really was too much of a physical presence last year. I mean, like you said, you had your Nick Ritchie, uh, not having Kevin Miller obviously was a big blow to that, but kind of stepping away from that physical role that really is sort of the, the Bruins bread and butter, at least people consider it to be. Do you think that's a meaningful and conscious shift based on the type of strategy that the Bruins want to employ? Or do you think that was merely, well, Kevin Miller's retiring, Nick Ritchie, we were willing to let him go kind of based on what was actually available. Hey, we're going to go for this kind of concoction, if you will, of guys that are maybe more skill-based, still not, you know, obviously top six forwards in all these cases, but maybe less physical of a bottom line and more of a role player kind of bottom line. Do you think that was intentional or do you think that was kind of just how the dice rolled out based on what was I think available? it was more the latter. I mm-hmm. think, uh, you know, look, if if they, you know, if they had their brothers, they would have been able to keep Kevin Miller, right? I mean, that would have been great. We all understand why Kevin retired and what a, what a warrior, what a beast. And so, you know, you, you, you gotta go from there, but then you say, all right, you knew you were going to you had the potential of missing Lausanne or losing Lausanne. I mean, and now you're going to miss his physical um, intensity, his effort in that regard, but you knew you were going to, you had a chance to lose him or Connor Clifton. That's what it seemed to come down to those two guys. Right. Um, and then the whole Richie thing, it wasn't, you know, look, if he was a little bit faster, they'd kept him in a heartbeat. They'd have kept him in a heartbeat and, and they would have, and, and, and they would have paid him what they felt he was going to get paid. Um, if he went to arbitration with the Bruins and um, they just figured we can't afford to pay a guy that who we do like, and we like his physical presence, but we can't afford to pay him that much. So I think it was intentional to go away from them, but the Lausanne thing you couldn't control per se. Uh, Kevin, you couldn't control. And then Richie was, you controlled it because it was, because the biggest asset that you have in the NHL is cap space. Asset management is great, but cap space management is even better. I mean, it's your greatest asset. So they felt they had to do that. Um, I, if you look at the teams that did well in the playoffs, Big is important. Big is beautiful. You know what I mean? It's it's you saw strength in numbers with the Montreal Canadian defensemen. And you saw uh, the physical presence of the third and fourth lines from the Tampa Bay Lightning and the, the size of the behemoth defensemen. You know, uh, you, you saw the speed uh, the uh, Vegas is was well, they got beat by by Montreal, but they're pretty big, too. Right. I mean, you need that physical 
presence is. That's something I do think the Bruins are going to need some more of, no question. Now, with that in mind, do you do you think that's the the biggest hole in the lineup at this point, or do you think there's other concerns? Maybe you know you mentioned a potential for another move coming. Where do you think they do need to plug some holes right now? Well, it's pretty obvious. Second line center, uh, physical presence anywhere, um, you know, and I, you know, in particular, I'd love a, a another big boy on the back end, you know. Mm-hmm. Never hurts. Um, <laughs> never hurts. No, um, you know you don't want you, you love Charlie's physical presence, McAvoy, but you don't want him having to do it all. You know you love how impactful he can be, um, and he catches people by surprise. I think sometimes, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think that you want him, you know, out there doing it all. You know, Carlo's big, but he's more of a containment style defenseman when it's all said and done and the Grizz is not big and, you know, Forbert will have some, some size to him, but you know, you'd love another guy on the back and now Cliffy plays bigger than he is, but you still need that size back there. I, I think. And then, um, you know, just depth. I mean, you look again at the, the presence of that third line of Tampa and I know they were exceptional, but Gord's line and Goudreau and, and Coleman, while Coleman is a physical, He's pretty, uh, he's not big, I see. He's pretty physical. Goudreau is very physical. And Gord is just a pain in the ass out there, you know? <laughs> so that's the, that's the kind of stuff. So, so there's there's definitely a few holes. So, so now, get yourself a second-line center, and that pushes a few guys down, and then I, that, yeah. that hopefully helps out your lineup. Yeah, I think ideally you want Coyle on that third line as opposed to bumping him up to that second if the everything was <clears throat> as it is right now. Um, so yeah. yeah, I think plugging that hole is hugely important. And Coyle has some I, size to him too. He can toss the, his weight around as well. I, I think yeah. it was a little too much with him and Richie doing that. And then I guess DeBrusque was kind of a throw-in, like, all right, we need to figure out what your role is. We're going to move you all around. At times, that combo actually worked a little bit, but I think there definitely needs to be a mix of uh, weight and speed on the same line to make it work. Yeah, we kind of roll our eyes sometimes at the idea of just adding size because, you know, if you start just adding size, you end up with guys like Matt Bolesky and Jimmy Hayes. But obviously, guys like Don Sweeney can be smart about it. Um, and there are players out there who can do a little bit of both. And and I think that's where that, that Richie thing comes in. I think he is a good player, um, but he is very slow and takes those penalties where guys just kind of skate by him and you see him in the penalty box a little bit too much. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, he, uh, he was good for them. He, he was good, but you know, are you going to, you know, the, what was the rumbling that he would ask for upwards of 3 million or, you know, three plus given that look at all the goals he scored and compare that to other guys on the team that were making over three, three and a half, four million bucks a year. And, I get what he wants, as he shouldn't have got a nice deal with Toronto, two or two and a half for him, um, you know. But the Bruins just said we can't afford to pay that for what what they felt they they needed to do. Understandable, different different approach, I guess. But mm-hmm. um, now I, I do want to lob one more Bruins related thing at you. Obviously, another big change going into the season for the first time in pretty much a decade here is no Tuukka Rask, at least 
to start. I mean, obviously there's been seasons where the Bruins had to start without him with injury or whatever, but this mm-hmm. is the first full season where you could be going in with no Tuca in general. Obviously they bring in Olmark. We saw some impressive stuff from Swayman this year, but he's still very young. What kind of impact do you think that's going to have on the team as a whole going into this season? And is that a concern for you that that could end up being a, an issue down the road? Are you confident they're going to bring in Rast? Or what's kind of your feeling there with that goaltending situation? I have no opinion or information on Tuca except that he's, you know, rehabbing mm-hmm. from surgery. No idea if they're going to bring him in or not. No, you know, how does he respond to all of this? In theory, he should do well as a professional athlete and the, 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 the hip surgery, you know, with, what is it, four or five months of rehab and everything. He should be all right, but does that, you know, who knows? He's in his mid-30s, right? And he's a goalie, so let's see how he responds to all of it. Um with that said, it is a different vibe. Yeah, it's a different feel for this team. Uh, you know, they they paid a solid penny for Linus Ullmark, who I think is a good goalie. You know, I think he's going to be a lot better in front of uh, behind a Boston team than he was behind a Buffalo team. <laughs> yeah, uh, I would hope so. Hopefully, yeah. Well, yeah, you you would hope so. Um, but you talk about chemistry earlier in the show. And there's a chemistry thing there, too, that you got to earn or work at between goaltender and D, goaltender and forwards, et cetera. You know, a lot of times the personality of a goalie impacts your locker room significantly. You know, what's that guy like? You know, do you just let him be the wackadoo guy on his own or is he just a regular dude that, you know, is fine? I, who know, you know, and, and, and I hear Linus is a, is a really good kid. He's a really great, you know, good guy. A lot of respect for him coming out of the people in Buffalo. They would like to have kept him. Uh, but, you know, I think he felt like, you know, why? What, what am I going to do? I mean, look at look at who's not here now. Yeah. We're talking an American Hockey League team here. And, it's a pit. Yeah. Yeah, it's a shame. I, look, I'm, I've always had a good time in Buffalo. I'm good friends with Don, Donnie Granato, who I think the world of the new head coach there. And um, it's going to be hard for him and his staff, just given what they don't have there. Uh but hopefully it'll be uh, hopefully it'll be all right. And and, and with regard to Linus um, and Swayman, um, you guys know. I mean, look, you're talking big unknowns. Um, Jeremy is a fantastic, fantastic kid. Great makeup. You know, really comports himself beautifully. Very confident. Uh, very much in the uh, in the moment type goalie. It seems like at least outwardly, that's what he projects. With all that said, going through the league for, you know, a handful of games is one thing. Going through the league for a couple of years is another. And so, you know, do they go, you know, 50-30 in games? You know, that would be, hey, that'd be a good year. Do do they, let's see. I mean, does Swayman have a, a run that he struggles a bit and then they send him down? Well, now you don't have Ladar to bring up. Uh, mm-hmm. But do they do they add another veteran goalie? for the American League to do that once maybe but I think their plan their plan right now is to say all right Linus you got a couple of years you just entered your prime for goalie 27 you're just entering it you know Sway is barely a, a baby in the he's, he's barely a baby in the NHL so you know Sway played 25 30 35 games 
get your feet wet for a couple of years and two, three years from now, you start to see maybe that shift to where Omar becomes more of a backup and Swain is the starter. We'll see. Yeah. That's such an interesting contract that they, that they handed to him. Cause I, yeah, if, if Linus Olmark becomes a full-time starter for that money, it's an absolute steal for the next four years. But um, if your plan is to have Swayman be the starter uh, in the next couple of years um, and Olmark doesn't necessarily live up to that, you're suddenly paying a backup a, a lot of money. Yeah. Well, but look at the, yeah, but what you do is, and I know that this is kind of, again, I use the term cap gymnastics. Um, but look at the, uh, total that you're spending for both those guys. So, you know, that's the way it works. So if you're like, okay, well we got, you know, two good years out of Linus, but you know, he's good, but not great. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm not trying to pass it by. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, if Swayman gets the benefit of maturation and development out of it, and then you're paying him a bit more, and the next thing you know, your 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 agreement is at eight for the, the two of them combined. Let's call it eight million or something. You're still doing okay. Yeah, you know, you're still doing okay if you're keeping it below the ten, eleven million mark. Yeah, that's kind of how I rationalized the uh, the Mike Riley, Derek Forbord deals. Like, I think the the Riley was perhaps an underpay, and Forbord a little bit of an overpay. But together, it's your your pan your bottom two pairing left side yeah. guys, 6 million total. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I looked at them both as a pretty much what I expected pay using those two guys. Fair. Yeah. I guess you kind of, uh, uh, maybe it's just us rationing what we're seeing, but kind of splitting it like you had said by position and saying, Hey, we're spending this much on our goaltenders versus we're paying this guy this much. And that sort of thing can be a little easier to rationalize at least for now until we start really right. seeing some results. But uh, Billy, I do want to turn to a little bit of background on you and kind of your ride because it's been a really interesting one. Uh, you played, obviously, college hockey at the University of Michigan. Um, I've covered some really cool stuff from then. You've bounced around from Chicago to Atlanta to New York mm-hmm. in Boston now, obviously. A lot of experience covering and playing hockey. Uh, Drew and I especially, but really all of us are big college hockey guys uh chris is a umass guy so he's had a good year with that as well um <laughs> but obviously you're a college hockey guy i just want to talk to you a little bit about Maybe your that's experience why with that why, why chris drinks those fancy double ipa <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> you know, just, you know, just celebrating UMass, still umass you know uh, you know uh, good for that no i love that uh, thrilled for what they did there yeah drink away uh, <laughs> Um, so yeah, you're a mission guy. Are you still affiliated with the program at all? Are you just a fan at this point? I know you did some work with big 10 network covering some stuff there yeah. as well. I, I haven't done anything lately. I did a lot of games with big 10 network. Uh, I did a lot early on what was the CCHA game of the week for Fox sports mm-hmm. network. Um, uh, I'm, I'm just a fan now of it. Uh, and read about, watch highlights, et cetera. Uh, I'm very happy for Mel Pierce and the coach there. Uh, Billy McCall, former NHLer, uh, associate head coach there, has done a tremendous job. And so I've been real happy for them. Every once in a while, I'll check in with Billy to uh, ask him about players. Obviously, the Bruins have, have had some players there. They still do in John Beecher. Um, and, I, I, I mean, I'm just, I'm just happy for him. I'd love to see him. A couple of years ago, they made it um, to the, uh, was it the Frozen Four? Uh, geez, how many years ago was that now? I was in Worcester. 
uh, and doing the games for ESPN. I do a lot of the ESPN uh, regional stuff, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled for them. You know, they've had some up and down times though, because part of the problem there is that they got a lot of got very successful and they brought in a lot of these stud 18 year olds that would stay one or two years um, or they would be there at 18 when everybody else was bringing in 20 year old freshmen. And the next thing you know, they're playing against all these older kids regularly and they can't compete actually. So while they may have some of the most players drafted in the NHL, they don't have some of the best teams because in college hockey, you need the teams that win are the teams that are together for three or four years. Yep. That's what it comes down to. But I'm a big fan of the program. I just don't get to do much with it the last couple of years right now, just doing so much NHL stuff. Understandable for sure. But uh, as, as a fan of the college game, especially over the last 10, 20 years, obviously it's had a bigger role in the NHL and stuff. More prospects. You look at a team like Michigan, while they may have some issues as a, as a team competing they obviously have some really talented young players, a couple of top draft picks coming into the NHL now. Uh, how has that kind of changed? And I, I saw people you know, debating recently whether college is on the same level as major junior in Canada. I know that's always a discussion, obviously, as the two kind of primary pipelines in North America. But how has the college game changed, I guess, since you played? And, and what do you kind of think of it now as a feeder system for the NHL? Uh, college has really blossomed um... – in so many ways, I mean, the facilities, the training, um, you know, and it's, it was rare. You know, you had a few guys go one year when, when I was at school back in the late eighties. Um, I remember Rod Brindamore went a year. He was at Michigan state. Craig Simpson went a year when he dominated. It was a freshman though. Craig Simpson was phenomenal. <laughs> and so was Rod Brindamore. Oh yeah. Um, beast. But most guys would go at least, usually three years. Now you get kids going for one year. They're just going to these programs for one year, and that's it. Um, college has, I mean, you, you know, with the changing of the, the the conferences too, the alignments are different. And so that you know that that happens though. I mean, I'm not one of those old guys that says no change sucks. It, it, you know, sometimes you don't love it, but you know, I mean, I I. I as much as I like the Big Ten, I still wish that they actually didn't go to Big Ten in college hockey. To be honest with mm-hmm. you, I think you miss out on some of those other rivalries that we had in the old CCHA days. But I get it because of money. That's what happened because of the Big Ten Network. So I get it. You understand business. Um, but you're seeing guys you're seeing guys come in at regularly at 20. When, again, when I was playing, it was rare. I mean, I went to school as an 18-year-old. And Quite honestly, I'm I'm, I'm kind of jealous, but I'm glad, but not. Like, if I'd gone to school at 20, maybe I would have been a decent player. You know, there's two years in there that really change your body and your mindset a ton. Mm-hmm. And you know, there was a school, Lake Superior State, that when we were at Michigan in the late 80s, they became very successful. Frank Anzalone brought in. A lot of guys that were 1920s, 21. They had guys that were 20, you know, turning 21 as a freshman. So we were playing against guys that were 24 years old, and I was 18, right? Holy smokes! You want to talk about getting your ass kicked? There's a big difference at, at, at that time. You know, those that's a huge, huge difference in age and physical maturity. So and that's some of the ways. But the games, the coaching's gotten better. The uh, 
I mean, it's just, it's very professional. You go to see some of these facilities and it is like, wow, you know, behind the scenes, it is, it is high end stuff. Uh, out of curiosity, did you ever play, uh, I grew up, my dad and grandfather both went to uh, RPI in Troy, New York. You ever play over there? I didn't play at Troy. I was recruited by them. My near the end of my senior year when I was at Kent, um, I finished my, my high school at, in Kent, Connecticut, and I was playing the last couple of games with a separated shoulder. So they moved me back to defense so I could have I, – I, I couldn't really shoot from a righty, so my right shoulder was separated. But I was able to kind of harness it. I wanted to play the last couple of games, and I could hold my top hand on the stick. And so I played defense. I could poke check, and I could hit. I could hit with my left shoulder. <laughs> <And laughs> And I did that, and I remember after the game, the last game, home game, I believe it was the wife of the coach of the team. And, you know, it's, you know, prep schools are like that. Like, you know, the wife is doing the scorekeeping or whatever. You know, and she just said, oh, you know, the, the RPI coach was, you know, they'd like to talk to you. And uh, I can't remember the assistant's name. And I said, RPI? I said, holy smokes. I said, math and science are not exactly my strong and so I don't know, but I talked to them and then uh, they recruited me. I didn't go up there on a visit, but we talked and, and I, I just said, look, I'm not sure if that academically, it's a phenomenal school. I, said, I just don't know if it's for me, uh, you know, what they are. And, and we talked about like, pre lost off in there and I, cause I was originally going to do that at one point. I just said, nah, I think I'm not going to, but thank you. But I did call a game there. Um, uh, the big red, what what is it called? Big red freakout, oh, yeah. Freakout, yeah. I did yeah. that up there years ago, and yeah. So I've been through Troy. I've been there. I've been there a couple of times. Nice little barn. I like it. Yeah, the field house is cool. It's a one of the more unique college. I mean, college is full of unique rinks, right? But this is like an old, mm-hmm. like World War One or I think World War Two airplane hangar or something. So they they used to do concerts back there and stuff in the seventies and eighties. My dad tells me about like seeing big bands and stuff there back in the day but um and then yeah i guess that's that's pretty cool because they were i mean they're they're struggling now largely because of the reason you just mentioned their academics obviously are, are very strong mm-hmm. and they don't have as much leeway as some other schools as far as bending the rules a little bit i mean you have a lot of business yeah, majors, but even still it's like <laughs> yeah it's uh, they, don't, they don't bend uh the the academic line as much but um but yeah, that's kind of the, the similar issue. But back in the '80s, they—I mean—they won the national championship in '85 yeah. and stuff, which is about when I believe because you—you graduated in '87. '87, so similarly, they had—they had, they had uh, uh, what Joey Juno, yeah, Adam Oates and Darren yeah, Koopa Oates, and all them. Koopa, yeah, so that was the golden age for them. Hardly downhill. downhill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, so yeah, after Michigan. Um, Ten years later, nine years later, you started with the Blackhawks on the radio. Is that correct? Uh, that is, jeez, I got years wise. Yeah, nineteen ninety seven, ninety eight season. Yes, so, so seven eight years. Yeah. What got you into broadcasting? Obviously, as a player and stuff, you knew the game, but um, jumping on the broadcast it, to explain it is a totally different uh, skill, I guess. Yeah. So, what kind of got you into that? It's a real long story that I'm not going to get in, in any time that. <laughs> It's just too long, but um, I was given an opportunity by a gentleman who believed in me um, because I worked out at the same health club that he did. 
that's how we got to know yeah connections we got to know each other so i was the young guy working out with a bunch of what i thought at the time were older guys which pretty much is what i am now at 52 but they were all 40 to 60 year old gentlemen that were business guys in the city of chicago and here i was this 20 at the time i mean you know i started working out early in the mornings at I don't know, I was 24, 23, 24, 25, whatever. And we became really, I became really good buddies with a lot of these guys. And this gentleman, Jim Fitzgerald, said at one point, he was a liaison to the Blackhawks as part of their broadcasting uh, PR type department. He wasn't a, an employee, but he was a liaison, had a business card them and everything. He said, we need, some, we need somebody for our radio broadcast. Would you be interested? Sure. He knew I'd played hockey. He knew that I was still playing hockey with a, a glorified uh, beer league team. We gallivanted around the country playing different teams and having a great time. Um, and uh, he said, you know, I think you'd be good at this. I said, okay, sure, whatever. One thing led to another. And near the end of the summer of 97, uh, I was, the radio station network reached out. And I met with them and I said, yeah, sure. I'll be, uh, you know, your analyst, pregame, intermission, postgame. Why not? You know, they said, all right, we have a new uh, host. <coughs> we have a new host. Um, go, go work with him or go sit with him the first preseason game. And then the, we'll see. And then we'll talk. So I did that. The second game, they said, what do you think? I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And that was it. And then I was on the radio pregame and uh, postgame. And then, uh, you know, as the season went on, it was pre-intermission post and co-hosting the coaches show. And I got a few games with the uh, Fox Sports Detroit college game of the week. And I got on TV and then the Chicago Wolves came to me and asked if I'd be part of their broadcast as well. So I said, sure. It was very natural for me. Very, very, very easy, very comfortable. Um, it was not... Uh, intimidating at all and it was not uncomfortable at all yeah as somebody who knows hockey obviously the the game comes to you but it's a, a totally different skill obviously jumping in front of the mic and analyzing it live for people so uh obviously all of us have appreciated uh watching you and stuff so we're all we're all fans Thank and you. stuff but as somebody who jumped into that business and i you know, grew up in connecticut and such was Nesson or, or covering the Bruins kind of always an end goal for you and something you wanted to get to, or did that kind of just happen naturally as well and kind of right place, right time sort of thing? Um, it wasn't an end goal for me at all, but, you know, no BS, no fibbing, whatever. Hey, the Bruins, I grew up a legit diehard Bruin fan. Um, even though I grew up in Chicago, I had family from Boston. Half of my family, my mom's side was all from Boston. And my grandmother and I were very, very, very close. She was a huge sports fan. And I grew up, I'm telling you, I liked the Blackhawks. I loved the Bruins. I loved them. They were my favorite. And still and still are. I mean, and, and you know, now I work with them. You know, but I wanted to do well for many reasons. I wanted to, you know, it's fun. That's one. Uh, the more games they do, the more fun I have and the more money I make as well. I mean, there's just, there's a, there's a reality. It's all positives. Yeah. It's all positive. So, um, no, the whole Bruin thing happened after the 2011 cup run. Um, 
I was doing some stuff. I was doing a lot of NHL Network and Sportsnet in Canada. And um, I had done a run for a couple of years with with uh, the Islanders as their game analyst. That had come to an end, and I was real busy with other stuff. But the Bruins opportunity opened up because I was also with Versus. You guys are young enough to – I'm going to assume you – Versus was the network name before it became NBC Sports Network. Yeah, so I remember the Versus broadcast. Yeah, it was, oh, yeah. It was hockey Before and it. hunting. Yep. <laughs> well, that was outdoor life. Yeah, then they changed. So fishing versus too. Became, versus became a little less of that, but not as much as anyways. So I was doing a lot of national stuff. But then, um, so I had a contract with Versus, but then NBC and or Comcast and versus or not versus nbc and uh, oh geez whoever it was merged and comcast that's what it was they merged and my contract was done so the new executive producer for what became nbc sports said to many of us not everybody but to a lot of us hey thank you but you know see you later you know and we're going to bring in our own guys like okay i mean it sucks but it's part of the biz well, one of those guys who was uh, coming in was Mike Milbury, who I've known Mike for years, get along well with him, good dude. I, you know, in the sense of I've Mike and I, I've known him since my Islander days. You know, like I've, you know, Mike and I have always been fine together. Um, and he was leaving, and I said, uh, well, I knew he was no longer going to do the Bruins, so I said to somebody at the league and to the Bruins, I said you know, do you guys need somebody? It just, you know, it just seemed like a potential fit to start doing some games from them. And, and, you know, that's where my, my favorite team thing came into play too. I'm like, well, not only it'd be awesome to work in that market, but I do love the Bruins. And one thing led to another and Nesson then I, I, I knew somebody at Nesson that had been with the league. So I did so much work with the league and uh, his name is Eric. And, and I reached out to him and, one thing led to another, and we struck a deal, and that was 2011-12 uh, season. So I've been doing uh, stuff ever since. So the Bruins not winning the cup yet? You're saying like you'll take the blame for that? Eleven? <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. Being here in 13 and 19, uh, all both of them were like, whoa, especially 19. Holy 19. Yeah. yeah, 19 was you know. But yeah, that's uh, so Nesson wasn't an end goal, but I love it. I love being associated with the team. But, uh, you know, uh, Nesson's been great to me. Love living in Boston. It feels like home. It really has ever since we moved up here full time. For the first two years of my deal, I was commuting from New York. I was working New York, Toronto, and Boston. Three great hockey markets, right? But Oh, yeah. It just got it just wore me down, and then yeah. I would do some college games too, and I was on the road five days, six days a week. So, moved up here in 2013 season, 14, and and just been thrilled since. It's a beautiful. So yeah, city. I was I was gonna ask. Uh, I mean, you've you've been around for for a while now. It was one of the sticking points just the people you get to work with? Because, I mean, well, I, I watch a They've lot usually, of hockey I've around the league. Moved, I, 
Yeah, no, I've thought of leaving. That's the only reason I thought of leaving is having to work with Barry. And <laughs> <laughs> Razor. Um, no, I, I, I love. I, I know it sounds cheesy, but no, those guys are awesome. Uh, Razor's been been great, um, and um, it's it's um, it's a fun crew. We laugh a lot. Uh, we know that we're highly imperfect. We screw up. Fans are going to tell you when you screw up, too. Sometimes we don't screw up, and fans will tell you you screw up. But, um, <laughs> but sounds um, right. Yeah, it, it, it's a, they're wonderful people that I that I get to work with. So um, the guys that I work with the most, people I get to work with the most, the most I'm talking, the real tight crew, are legit great people, and um, that's what I want to work around. I do. That I is great to hear. Me. I mean, obviously, everybody has their – TV personality and stuff. And, you know, that's what you guys get paid to do and stuff. But um, it's definitely refreshing to hear that that kind of stuff kind of carries over outside just the broadcast. I think that's obviously refreshing for say, any Bruins fans to hear. We say all the time, the best show what we should do is have a camera on in the green room or, you know, off, off air. <laughs> um, you know, that's the most really, that's obviously most interesting, but it's, it's really, it's legit. It's true. Um, uh, they're just, you know, our producer, Sean, and another one, John, and uh, everybody that we work with, coordinating producer, his name's Denny. I mean, they're all good to me, and I, th- I think that they're all really good people. And, uh, you know, the studio crew in particular is, is just, uh, just wonderful to work with. That's awesome. Yeah, well, we kind of try to fill in that green room vibe, I guess. That's kind of the role yeah, we try to I, shoot I, for. I think our, our whole so. podcast vibe is uh, trying to capture what it's like to be hanging out with the three of us. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the most, the biggest lesson I learned in broadcasting when I started was when I was with the, doing the, after my first year with the Chicago Wolves, I, you know, I still did Blackhawks and then I, I morphed into doing more Wolves. And then I did, a, and then the next year I did almost after two years of doing the Hawks, I, I filmed the broadcast full time. And then I started doing the Wolves asked me to do, we come to every one of our games. They broadcast, they, they, they were a phenomenal organization, phenomenal. And um, all their games were on TV, et cetera, in the local market. Anyways, vice president of the team one day said, You know, you're doing great, love having you. And, 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 you know, the reason I like it is because you and, you know, Judd, who's now coincidentally the radio voice of the Bruins on the, on the hub, you and Judd are just, it's like you're sitting talking, having a beer at the bar, yet you're doing it with a little bit of more information, a little polish. He says, I want to be, you know, and Grant, remember, I might have been 29 or 30 years old, but I was still a young, young neophyte in the business. He's like, I want to feel like I'm being let in on your conversation at the bar. That's what I want to feel like. But, you know, and I'm like, never thought of it that way. Now that's all I think of, right? But that was a great lesson I learned. So if you guys are doing that, then kudos to you guys. Yeah, I, I, drinking I, drinking helps. It does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes. I, I, sometimes I, it's I, a deterrent. <laughs> I, I do think that's one of the things that makes the, the show that you guys, uh, like the intermission shows that, that you guys do such a, a good product is it is very conversational obviously there's a lot of analysis going on but you know you guys are ribbing each other anytime something someone screws up and that's always fun i, I yeah, like that stuff it's not overproduced you it's, have to you let it live yeah you gotta learn that stuff producing out of a briefcase 
you can't do it. You cannot do it. And there are guys that try and do it. And the old saying, less is more, right? Sometimes less is more, and it's true. And we've had to remind ourselves of that, too, during our show. So we, we try to. Listen, we know that I know that not everybody's going to like you, you know, me on it. It just, it's just the nature of the world. You know, you hope that more people really like you than don't. But as I like to say, I'm, I'm going to be prepared and I'm going to have fun. And doesn't mean you're always going to agree with my opinion, but at least I'm going to respect it. And, you know, meaning the broadcast and I'm going to bring it. And if, and I, and, and, and everybody else, Barry, Razor and Dale, they all, they do the exact same thing. It's fantastic. Well, yeah, we definitely enjoy watching and uh, certainly appreciate the opportunity to go back and forth a little bit here. Uh, Chris and Drew, I don't know if you guys have any final questions you want to shoot over his way or. I, I got everything in. Uh, every Everything was answered. M- much appreciated. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. Well, I think yeah. just about everybody knows uh, where to find Billy, but if you got anything you want to promote, uh, feel free. Now's the chance. On this huge uh, platform, yeah, our massive <laughs> like, compared to compared to you know the the compared to Nessun, we're, Nessun, we're yeah. way up there. <laughs> hey, if you get one person right, that's all that matters. Incrementally build every day. It's like that's interest. Right. One one dollar a day keeps adding on top of each other. Yeah, we're uh, trying to sell no, interest. It's tough. Here, here, here. No, I appreciate you having me on. You guys, you guys. You didn't zing me on social media, but you pushed it, so I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, that's um, our goal. We just bug you until you. you we come were out honestly, we were we were a little buzzed after one of our last episodes. I was like, should we hit up Jackie again? Uh, Jaffe, sorry, Jackie. <laughs> 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 there you go. Yeah, yeah, you know, man. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're one beer in, and that's yeah. half a beer <laughs> in. What the hell? Talk about <laughs> one and a half. One and a half, well, uh, one and a half well, and a little work food. That, that tolerance. Uh, no, nothing ever. I mean, just I appreciate you having me on. We, uh, Razor and I have a great time doing our podcast. Uh, we got to figure out where, how, when we're going to do that this coming season. There's still a long way. Well, I know it's already August, but we got to figure out the schedule. You know, we're just getting that with some other things too. So, uh, you know, we'll be, we'll be talking hockey, uh, well, not too, too soon, but soon enough again. And, uh, Good to I hear. appreciate you guys talking. Yep. Fantastic. Well, Billy, thanks for coming on again. All right. Uh, we'll be tuning in this season for sure. You got it, guys. Be good. All right. You as well. You Don't too. drink and drive. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, no, no. That's right. All right. Bye-bye, Billy. See you later, guys.